Hey everybody, and welcome to another rousing episode of Was That Really Necessary? The show where we take a look at any sort of uh, remake, reboot, sequel, or prequel, and we look through everything, we think about it, and we go, hmm, did this just completely suck the life out of me for two hours? Or, oh, wait, they actually did it justice to the original, and this was this was interesting. I'm Zach Buell, and with me, as always, is my lovely and talented co-host, Paul Abishan. How are you now? Oh, I'm doing great. I am doing fantastic. Oh, that's what I like to hear. All right. So if you guys are just tuning in, didn't listen to what we were doing the last time, today we get to dive into the wonderful movies, Death at a Funeral. So if you've not listened to this before, I should just uh, point out what we do is we take a look at the original movie and then we look at a remake, reboot, or maybe even like a sequel or prequel. It took a long time to get made and kind of come back there. And we asked the titular question, was that really necessary? Now, Paul, this was your choice. And if anybody yeah. doesn't know, we choose it for each other. What, what made you choose Death at a Funeral? Why were, why were you intrigued for us to watch these? Um. So I... I like the I like one of the movies. We'll get into it uh, later on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it was honestly we got really sucked in. If you listen to these a lot, we've done a lot of action movies. We've done a lot of superhero movies, comic book remakes. Mm-hmm. Um, this was just something different. This isn't a big. Uh, neither one of these are big budget movies. Neither one of these required really any of all special effects. Um, so it was, it's very, very different, I think, from a lot of the movies we've done. Um, and it's also different in that the remakes were done really only three years apart. Yeah, it was um, rebooted very quickly. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it was different in, in that sense too, because we're not talking about like rebooting a franchise or anything big like that. This was just a movie that was, originally released in the united kingdom um with a vast majority of uk actors Mm -hmm. and basically they made an american version of it with predominantly black actors yeah Um, so again to (laughs) long story short uh it was different than the other shit we've done that's it was interesting so i mean full disclosure and i don't think i mentioned this at the end of the last episode but um i had never seen these before either of them it was uh so it was interesting to me i mean we had talked about this back at the inception of this podcast that we would eventually try to tackle these i think and it was just kind of interesting to that it was like all right yeah i guess i guess we're doing this that's that's cool (laughs) yeah and it, it's you know the the original one, uh, I really liked. I liked um, it, it. Just has a, a fun, witty humor to it that I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll talk about a l- as we go on. Um, but I guess before we really dive too far into, it, we should kind of for those who haven't seen it, we'll kind of give you a, a as we usually do a, a quick rundown mm-hmm. of the movie. Yeah, do a little um, table setting for us, Paul. Tell yeah, me, tell me what this is all about. Let me break it down for you. So the movie starts out. We've got Daniel. His father passes away. Him and his wife live with their mom and dad. Um, you can see that there several times throughout. They're talking about saving for an apartment or a house or a loft. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're holding the wake. They're basically having this wake at their father and mother's house. 
Um, they have all sorts of family coming to see them. They, you, it's, it's very stereotypical in a way you have, uh, the crotchety uncle, um, his brother is this, uh, just kind of a dickhead writer, uh, who is very successful, but yet is broke. Um, that plays into it a lot as well. They got a whole mod podge of cousins. Someone gets drugged, um, uh, but really, they spot a a man, um, a little person at the funeral who who mm-hmm. is kind of being just very odd. Uh, is played by Peter Dinklage. Um, we find out that Daniel's father had a romantic relationship with Peter Dinklage, uh, unbeknownst to everybody, mm-hmm. and Peter Dinklage's character believes that he is owed something from his father uh, monetarily uh so they end up uh basically peter dinklage's character is extorting them uh because if they don't pay him he's going to show these pictures uh very rated x to uh his his mother slash uh lover's wife so from there, craziness ensues. They tie him up. He accidentally gets drugged. Uh, same drugs that one of the other characters uh, in the English version uh, is played by Alan Tudyk, uh, who's an American actor. Yeah, one of the um, only American actors in the cast if outside of Dinklage, I think, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, for those who people, by the way, people who don't know, uh, Peter Dinklage is not British. If you only know him from that, yes, you might think he is. He, he is not. Um, so they end up shoving him in the coffin. He ends up popping out. Mom ends up finding out. It ends up uh, being this, this whole uh, big thing. Um, tackle some you've got crazy uncle alfie who is in a wheelchair um who's also, also a game, game of thrones, thrones. master <laughs> aemon um but overall it is it is a traditional british witty humor um i think one of the big things to note that this was directed by frank oz Another American. Uh, Another American. Uh, For those of you who don't know Frank Oz, well, let's start at Frank Oz, the director. Uh, We have things like The Dark Crystal, Little Shop of Horrors, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, What About Bob? I mean, I could go on. We've got In and Out, which, I mean, amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Death at a Funeral is kind of one of his last movies he's done. He's done, I think, like the show Leverage. He's, He's kind of done a little bit here and there. But uh, he's also done really his his work is voice work. He's done every Muppet character from Fonzie to Miss Piggy and everything in between. He did this character. Yoda. I was getting to Yoda. (laughs) He's Yoda. That's the thing. He he's Yoda. And I think that's probably his most recognizable of, you know, um, so Frank Oz directed this. He's been around. He's he's a very household name at this point. This movie came out mm-hmm. in 2007. Um, this movie tackles a lot of issues, whether it's family issues. Um, there's the infidelity issues, the same sex infidelity issues. Um, it, it's 
there's a lot going on in this movie. And uh, I don't know, Zach, what were your thoughts? As someone who's never seen this, I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are on this version. So uh, I didn't realize that it was a Frank Oz film. So as soon as I saw him pop up in the credits, it was like, oh, okay. All right. I'm in. I'm in. Because I really honestly, as soon as you said this, I normally my inclination is to immediately look up everything there is to know about this movie. And I was like, nope, I'm going to go into this blind. I will not go and overdo it like I always do things. So I, I, I took a nice little like, you know, all right, let's go into this. So seeing Frank Oz was nice. I loved like the... the you know, it establishes a really nice uh, aesthetic and a nice atmosphere right away where it's got almost like a weird Tim Burton-y, Danny Elfman-like credit sequence of like a coffin, a little cartoon coffin that's kind of just driving around. And it's taking this, you know, showing us this path of this coffin getting from the funeral home to where the funeral will be held, as we find out. And then right away, you know, first thing that happens is that it's the wrong person in, in <laughs> In the coffin and the guy and it was just like okay this establishes it's a very british dry humor established immediately can they open up the coffin they're like would you like to see your father and he just looks and he goes it's not my dad it's not my like, dad what <laughs> yeah and they're just like what and they like look at it and he's like it's not my it's not my dad and then they you know he comes up and he's just like they they brought the wrong wrong body and his wife is just it just kind of sets a tone right there now I, I like the humor. I like Frank Oz. I like, uh, there are some things that got me just really out loud laughing. Alan Tudyk is, is, is amazing. He even puts on a pretty great, uh, you know, uh, pretty great accent. Uh, Rupert Gre- or Rupert Graves as the, the um, snotty brother who's an author. Uh, he was on Sherlock, uh, the yes. BBC, like Sherlock series, which I really immediately liked him because it's a very different role for him versus what he was on that. Uh, and Peter Dinklage, Dinklage is excellent. You know, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, Uncle Alfie, like I said, he's Ma- Ma- Maester Eamon. Like, I, there's a lot of people that I kind of recognize as different um, different little roles, you know, from various British movies and shows that I've seen. Um, and while and I really he- like the humor, it just, it, it grated on me that there isn't a single likable character in this movie outside of Alan Tudyk. Right. Like (laughs) they all, and I don't know if, if that's maybe the point is that they're all flawed and they're all judging. They're all flawed. Uh, One character, there's a a guy in here named Ewan Bremner. Oh yes. From train spotting. Thank you. Train spotting. And he is hysterical. He plays this creepy friend who's only there. To hit on Alec Tudyk's <laughs> his fiance girlfriend right? fiance yeah and he just plays this just this creepy asshole and it's again it's just that British humor of just the things that he says or and the ways he delivers his lines were great in this movie and he his character really reminded me of um, Simon Pegg's character from At World's End. Or the world's end. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is that guy who like he has the black painted fingernails and the kind of never really got over this one person. Like it was very, it's actually very, very reminiscent of the world's end, which it, I thought was hilarious. 
Um, and I like you and Bremner too, ever since uh, train spotting and uh, even like th- to go pull a little obscure reference, the rundown with yeah. the Rock and Sean Williams. Yes. In that. Um, um, and a future I, episode. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Uh, well, and he was in uh, Aliens versus Predator. Was that one of them that he was in? Too? He He's was in one of those. Yes. Yeah. So it, I, I like him too. So th- there's a lot of really great actors in here and there's, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, and at first you kind of like, there are some people that you think are, are pretty decently, you know, uh, pr- pretty decently redeeming. And that, like Peter Dinklage, you really sympathize with his character. Like you said, he is blackmailing, but the, your first intro to him is just, he's this very soft spoken, um, you know, Hey, I just want to, I want to talk to you about something. And then he keeps getting kind of blown off and he's like, just remember, I, I still wanted to talk to you about something. And then he finally sits him down. And he's like, I think I'm owed money for your dad dying. And yeah. It's like, oh dude, you're just shit. All right, oh, well, you, you shot your shot, man. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, do you think he's going to be this really redeeming character? And he's yep. talking about the, how much he loved his dad and yep. the things yep. that they've done. And they make it seem like you're like, oh, wow, I'm really going to feel for you and where this movie's mm-hmm. going and all that. And then, nope, straight to extortion. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, you little, you son of a bitch. Yep. I, I was gonna like you. And I, I think that was what that was what failed. Now, I, sh- I should say, I still liked this movie. I really did. Um, there are there were multiple points where I laughed out loud at this movie where I was just like, okay, that's brilliant. When the when he first reveals it to one of his friends that his father has these there's these incriminating photos of his father, his friend's response is just, Your dad was a gay? And it's yeah. like a really funny delivery and just this terribly, you know, like blind reaction to it, you know, politically incorrect. But it was just is a really funny delivery, is really well done. And there's just there's like a lot of really great humor in there. The problem was, is that like, I just needed somebody to connect to that wasn't a pile of shit after, you know, an hour into this movie, I needed somebody that I could deal with. And there's, they, you know, they try to do it in the very end where the, um, where Alan Tudyk's fiance, as it's revealed, she's thought to be girlfriend, but it's fiance, she's pregnant and they're, you're happy that she helps like talk him down off the rooftop. Uh, and that there's, um, the main character finally kind of grows a spine and his brother, that's a, you know, kind of the jackass novelist, like, all right, he's not so bad, but it's like, it's all just, it all just feels like them just being like, Hey, you know, they suck, but they do have five minutes of, of nice in them. It's not, it's, it's not, so it doesn't, it doesn't even function as a full redemption arc for them. Right. It just kind of is like trying to polish a turd at the very end of it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like they tried, they tried, to tighten mm-hmm. everything up at the end. Um, you know, the mom ends up seeing the pictures. Everybody, mm-hmm. cut, everybody gets out of it and all that. But yeah. it's, uh, it's, it, it was, it was just really tough to fully connect for me, at least into this movie and, and do and, and really like it that, you know, if I were to give it a star rating, I would give it a three out of five. This is a good, solid movie. You know, maybe edging into like three and a half if you're going to go that granular with it. I, you know, it's just it's good. It just couldn't quite creep into great because there wasn't again outside of Alan Tudyk's character who you really like, but he's on drugs for most of the film. So, like, I don't know, maybe he's a complete piece of shit and we just don't know it. Although he seems pretty <laughs> He seems pretty genuine. I think I think that I just and it's Alan Tudyk. I love him no matter what. But it's just 
Like there just wasn't enough for me to kind of, you know, like emotionally invest into it. And if I, if you could have like one other anchor, one other character who isn't just whiny and self-serving for most of the movie, that would elevate it immediately for me. Cause again, there's, there's some fucking great humor in here. There's some great set pieces in there. It just like, I don't know. It was tough to get over that little, little hump. Um, when, uh, a couple of points that I wanted to definitely make sure I bring up the scene where Peter Dinklage is tied up, but he manages to get up and then he hits his head on a coffee table and they think he's dead. Uh, and this, as you pointed out, like he's not really dead. You know, they cram him into the coffin, that whole sequence until they jam him into the coffin is very funny. And I'm starting with, <laughs> I'm like, just laughing, thinking about it. <laughs> he is, he's laying unconscious on the ground and two guys go over to him and they're just like, Oh my God. Uh, try to wake him up and the one guy goes what's his name and the other guy is I don't know try Philip and it's just <laughs> the funniest fucking thing that they like don't know his name and the guy's just like uh, try this random name and then he says it a couple of times and then the other guy just goes oh you know what maybe it's not Philip and it's like well yeah there's a billion names on the world you chose one maybe that wasn't right <laughs> like there's there's some absurdity like this that is just and when they first drop him into the coffin. Of course, I have to mention this. They put him into the coffin so that he's sixty nining the father. His head oh, is up on his crotch, and, and they look at it and they're like, "We can't leave him like that." And there's just this great camera pan of like just showing exactly how they have. It's like stuff like that made me just laugh and just oh my god, that that kind of stuff is what was like. All right, this is what's saving it from being an absolute train wreck for me. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> the the pharmacist brother was so good in this. He was good. And he's a he's a shitbag character, but he is entertaining. But he was he was <laughs> so entertaining and he played the character so well. Um the scene where Peter Dinklage is tied up yes. and they are basically revealing that he has not taken what he thinks is a Valium, but is a mixture of LSD, mescaline, ketamine, and a bunch of other shit. And then he's taken five of them. And then he's taken (laughs) five of them, um, learning that a person who took one of them is stark raving naked on the roof. (laughs) Just his facial expressions as he's realizing this is incredible this is this is pretty early in his career um Mm -hmm. this is this is after elf but before game of thrones right so he's not super well known at this time uh but man he i i think he's fantastic in this he's very good yes he's he's very good at it I, i you know i I, I like Peter Dinklage in general anyway, but he's, he's obviously very good in it. Um, and as a point on the, the, the pharmaceutical studying brother who is, he, again, he's very good in it. Um, he, his character was one of the problems that I had with this though, um, which was his, cause his father's there at the funeral. They're cousins to the man who passed away. Uh, or their niece and nephew to rather and his, his dad would be a brother to that. Anyway, whatever it is, um, you get it. Like you get introduced to him and his sister, who is Alan Tudyk's husband or Alan Tudyk's fiance. 
And at one point they talk to the father and the father is very clearly like this pharmaceutical studying guy is a drug addict and a fuck up, but the father whole reveres him as this golden child, right? Like there's just like the very clear, like this guy's a screw up, but the dad is just like, why couldn't you be more like your brother? Blah, blah, blah type of thing. My one problem with that is they established the exact same character trait for the main character and his brother, who's the novelist revealing that the brother who's a novelist is a fuck up who has no money because he spent it all and is like flew here in first class even though he has no money to pay for the funeral and shit like that and the everybody's just like oh why isn't he going to be able to bring give the speech he's a writer he should be able to write it and it's just like the golden child that is actually the screw up you can't use that twice. You got to have a different character trait somewhere in here. Like move on from this. This will, and so it was like a perfect opportunity that there could have been a redeeming character in there. But again, I guess part of the joy is actually watching a bunch of assholes screw everything up. So. <laughs> no, it's a very, very valid point. And, <laughs> you know, that's one of the, one of the main things going on here too, outside of the Peter, Peter Dinklage, the drugs, there's just a lot going on essentially mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, but one of the main focal points is the older brother is doing the eulogy because uh, the traditionally the older brother does mm-hmm. that uh, while the younger brother is a famous author. So everyone's asking him, well, why isn't your brother doing it? Why isn't your yeah. brother doing it? He's the author. Um all the time while this man has written a book, he's just been sitting on it and mm-hmm. too afraid to publish it, so to speak. Um, and that's really a big center point through this is that conflict of brothers. Then the conflict of Peter Dinklage reads, ends up reading the the book um, and makes him feel insecure about it. And, and by, at the end, he delivers a very powerful eulogy about how his dad's a good man. Um, and everyone claps and then goes home at the end. It's, it's kind of a weak ending to be honest with you, considering they shoved a man into a coffin, found out he was in a, uh, same sex relationship, uh, behind his wife's back. Um, so for me, my, my big problem with this Outside of the, I didn't even really think about the characters just being shit. <laughs> I was too busy laughing. I, you know, I'll be honest. I was busy laughing. It, that's it, that's it, fair. That's fair. It is a funny movie, but to me, the ending really just lacks substance. Mm-hmm. You kind of summed it up right. They tried to give everybody a, a, a few minutes of redeeming quality to tighten it all up and send you packing. Um, that's where I I had a problem with with this movie was, was really the ending where there's like, Oh, my dad was a good man. Um, the yeah, was he saying my, like, my father was a great man or whatever the hell. Yeah. He yeah. really loudly and screams it while everyone's freaking out about the pictures and the mom's mm-hmm. upset. And he just interrupts everyone with his eulogy. And I don't know. It, it was different for me. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that, you know, and I, it may feel like I was shitting on the film. Like I said, I, I did enjoy the film. I, I had my issues with it, but w- whatever. Um, one thing that I will praise it on that I, I took, made sure I took a note on and really um, wrote down was that it is an incredibly tight script. Now, I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a great script, although again, there's some great comedy in there. Could use some work on the characters maybe, but like 
every bit of dialogue serves a purpose or gets a call back or, you know, something like that. So to the point of, you know, what we were talking about, his brother's a novelist. Well, you know that right away. And it's just this reoccurring thing that everybody is just asking, like, why isn't he giving the speech? Why isn't he giving the speech? It's, <laughs> and there's, there's just so many things like that, that come into play, they get said once and then they come back later or they, you know, like they just keep getting repeated. Like there are so many good callbacks and everything in the movie, it's not long. They establish, and, and I guess to the credit of the script and everything, the you know exactly who these fucking characters are. They're assholes, but it is abundantly clear what they're about, who they are. You know, they may be archetypes, but they're, you know, they're really well played out. Like nobody feels hollow. Everybody feels like a, a a person. They're multifaceted. And for as many characters as you have in this movie, that's very difficult to set up, especially in the fact that it's only like, it's less than two hours long. It's not a long movie. Oh, like, it's 90, runtime 90 minutes. Yeah, it is. They do a very good job of making the characters feel at least, you know, relatively fleshed out. You can't get a full character study in 90 minutes when you have an ensemble cast of 20 people. But like this, this, this is a fucking good script, man. Like this is like take notes if you ever want to be a screenwriter. Look at this script, man. They do an immense amount of. They cover a shitload of ground in very little time without doing any general like exposition of like, well, there's Uncle Alfie, but of course, you know, ever since his wife died, he's had the drinks, and you know, like they yeah. they don't just go out and say it. They you pick it up from everything they say, and it's so abundantly clear who everybody is through the actors and the writing and everything like in that regard, this movie is exceedingly well-made. Like it really is. And I have to sing its praises on that. I cannot just sit here and idly, you know, like bash it without saying like, this is, this is a well-made fucking movie. It's well shot. It's well-written. It's well-acted. Like it's, it is good in that regard. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, this you know, just to throw it out there and talk a little, mm -hmm. talk a little financials here. Yes. Yes. This movie costs $9 million to make, <laughs> which is pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, but so again, cheap. going back, going, oh, it goes back to kind of in retrospect of what we've looked at in the past, you know, this right. isn't a big budget movie. Mm -hmm. um, uh, opening us weekend. <laughs> 1.2 million dollars um yikes. yikes gross usa 8.5 million um worldwide gross though where we are looking upwards at like 47 million dollars yeah. so they made it, their money uh, back they just didn't do it here um yeah. this, this was not a big u.s box office movie this was again i'm interested to hear where it lands in the spectrum but i cannot imagine this got a wide release either no, and it was it ended up at 109 for the year worldwide, um, which is, you know, not great. But on a nine million dollar budget to make 47 million, I mean, that's pretty good. And considering I, I know it's an American director, but it is definitely a UK production and UK movie like yeah, it kind of stands to reason that the US, it didn't ever really catch on um, in terms of what this was up against in 2007. Number one is Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. You got Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Spider-Man 3, Shrek the Third, Transformers, Ratatouille, Simpsons movie, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, 300. Like, it's just not going to hold up against any of those here in the US. But, you know, at, at a $9 million budget, $47 million, 
that's a cool little profit. I could see why you would want to remake this. Plus, it's, you know, with critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at a 62, which isn't bad. It's not great. Uh, but the audience score was 79, you know, so like audience generally really freaking liked it and credit and critics enjoyed it enough. They didn't they didn't bash it. It's considered fresh. So, you know, all in all, maybe they have gripes about it, but this is kind of an unequivocal success. Like you you can't you can't argue with it when it makes almost its budget back in the US and then does triple that worldwide. I don't know. I don't think there's any way you can really paint that as not successful. <laughs> oh, exactly. I would I would consider this to be a success. Yeah. So, I, I you know, um any any final thoughts on this that we haven't covered yet before we transition into the into the next version? No, this movie's funny. I think you I think you kind of nailed it with the script. It's it's funny. It's fun. Uh, it's not a long movie for the the substance they put in there. No, I I highly recommend this one. Yeah, I would definitely. I would definitely. Again, in spite of my griping and everything like that, I would I would definitely <laughs> recommend giving it a, a watch. It's 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 good. Uh, so now we move into the 2010 remake. Um, everything that Paul said. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it stands true here uh save for a different cast except of course peter dinklage plays the exact same character um well i guess I shouldn't say he plays a character of the same name i wouldn't call it the exact same because everything in this movie is just it's this movie's like watching a bizarro mirror image of the first movie especially yeah. if you do what i did and you watch them back to back it's it's line know. for line. It's, it's some of the it's, shit is line for line. They drop I, a few more f bombs. Um, I would say uh-huh. Danny Glo- Danny Glover plays. It's Uncle Russell in this yeah. one, but yeah. he he uh, he's the same. I mean, it is the same lines. It is yeah. the same. He, he drops a couple more instead of Uncle Alfie. He's Uncle Russell, yeah. and. It, it's the same. I mean, they change some of the names. I think that's the biggest thing they do. Yeah, they but, add in like little wrinkles of like the main character and his wife are trying to get pregnant in this one. Not really a thing. And the, the in the other one, they're trying to move out of the house, which they're trying to do in this one too. But that's like the whole thing. Um, Tracy Morgan's character talks about how KFC stole a recipe as opposed to like they they change some things. They just kind of Americanize some things, um, which is the main change outside of I, I i don't there was one other thing that they did in this version of the movie um that will be probably my reoccurring main complaint for this one uh paul i don't know if you noticed this watching these movies but um the uh the second movie is uh is is very very broad with its humor i think is a nice way of putting it um it's, it's so Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> it's if not subtle. No, if you're expecting some moonlight type movie where they talk about <laughs> homosexuality within the black community, you're you're at the wrong fucking theater. I'm just going to yep. realize this is like soul plane level humor it's yeah it's almost so stereotypical it's not funny um and i say that it in actuality 
Mm-hmm. Um, James Marsden plays the Alan Tudyk character. And it, he's actually not bad. No, he's again he, like the only uh, redeeming character in that fucking he, movie. <laughs> exactly. Like he plays the he plays the high as a kite on a roof naked guy great. Um I I, I actually I don't think James Marsden gets enough credit for having the range that he has, but this is a good example of the type of range he has he's, as an actor. That man has comedic chops. If you've ever watched 30 Rock, the dude knows comedic timing and knows how to play it. Like when you need a a bland but good-looking white guy, James Marsden is your man. Now, that's not bad either because he's he can be very fucking good and he is I think the highlight of this movie, honestly. He's he's he, he's good. He's no Alan Tudyk, but you know, who can be? He's not nobody not everybody can be wash. Uh, and I, and I should point out that like this cast is some fucking bangers in this cast, man. You already mentioned Danny Glover. As, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't make this movie today with this no. cast for the budget they had. No, they because you've got, you got Chris Rock in the main role. You've got, um, Martin Lawrence as his brother in this. You've got, uh, uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is a, is a super minor part in here. He's the pole, he's the pole bearer that got that that delivered the wrong body. Yeah. And again, this is Kevin Hart before he was Kevin Hart. Like to be right. honest, with you, this was just the little funny short guy. Yeah, and um, what's her name? Zoe Saldana is the she's the yeah. like, uh, James Marsden's girlfriend. Uh, fucking Luke Wilson and Tracy Morgan played uh, just like a, a, the pair of like screw ups that aren't family but are there. Luke Wilson is the the Ewan Bremner character this time. Uh, you've got Ron Glass, uh, which is another uh, Firefly reference there. If you guys don't yep. know the <laughs> Shepherd book, um, you know you just like you you have just. It's a, it's a hell of a cast, man. Like they they pulled some good names for it. Um, the problem is, is that, and, and we're going to get into this because you, this, the whole point of this fucking podcast is to is to compare the two movies, right? So, like, I, I mentioned it. I very specifically called it out in in talking about the first movie, where it's the great scene where they come in, they open up the casket, and the guy just goes, "It's not my dad," and they look and they're like, "What?" And he's just like, "It's not my dad." And you have that like simple, elegant scene, tight scene, very good. You get everything that is done out of it. It's a good acting, like subtle humor. It is, it is, it is perfect. Like that's the perfect humor point you do. Now let's contrast that with this opening scene where I'll go on record. I'll, I'll, I'll take this, uh, you know, this big hit to all of our fandom and, and admitting that um, I can't stand Kevin Hart. I think he's a fucking turd. I don't like him. Um, he's also kind of a homophobic piece of shit, but that's for a whole other time. Uh, Like I'm not, not going to dig into him as a person, but I just don't like his, I don't find him that funny. I don't like him as an actor and his scene where he's playing the pallbearer that Chris Rock says, that's not my dad. It is drawn out into what a five or five minute, like conversation between the two of them where they're trying to argue with each other. Kevin Hart is doing, they clearly were just like, Hey, let him go for a little bit. Let him riff and just see if he can, like pull it out of there. And then they just try to like, everything gets played up. He's way more obvious. He's got like, oh, I think I lost my cell phone type of a bumble. Like they're just trying to be like, Hey, 
did you realize that this guy screwed up? Because because he screws up a lot. In case that wasn't obvious, let us let's make him let's, let's go through this a little bit more. And it's just like it's unnecessary. And then he comes back, and again, it could just be in the original version, it's another open. They look, and he's like, "Yep, that's my dad." In the second one, he's got to talk for another four or five minutes. You got to have this. You got to have an extended Kevin Hart sequence. And it's like, dude, stop, stop. Like you had. You just, you couldn't, and it's like, and that's the first scene. And that's how you're introduced to it, where you're just like, okay, well, this is glaringly obvious that this is not going to be great if this is what they're doing here. I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, it was very stereotypical Chris Rock, where he's just going to go on this tangent and make mm-hmm. several analogies and references as to why Kevin Hart's an idiot. Yep. Um, one part that I didn't really, they win. I just found it unnecessary is in the first one, the successful writer um, mm-hmm. brother is just, he's just kind of a dick. He doesn't have yep. any money. He blows through all his money. I feel like um, I know what you're going to talk about as being unnecessary. Yeah. And I'm curious if it, I, I have a gripe with it. And I think you're going to go where I think you're going to go. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping we both agree that this is unnecessary um, as fathers. But <laughs> Yes, we definitely agree with this. <laughs> so in this one, Martin Lawrence, they do the same thing where he comes in and brags about flying first class and all this. And Chris rocks like, Hey, I need money for the funeral. And he's like, I got, I don't have any money. And he's like, you're a piece of shit. And you flew here. For... Anyway, that kind of, I'm sure all of us know that person. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they take a left turn with Martin Lawrence's <laughs> character and he starts like hitting on this 18 year old girl, like a girl in high school to where he has to a asks if they're related. Yep. And then clarifies and makes sure that she's 18 and then like goes real skeevy on her. And it's just like totally unnecessary. Like just, it's, I mean, it's not funny. Nope. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. You talk about you talk about not being redeeming in the first one. Oh my god! Like holy crap! There are the, I will say there are more redeeming characters in this one. Like you don't hate like Zoe Zendala's character as much. She's a little exactly more yep. and stands up to her dad. Mm-hmm. But then they also go and make like Luke Wilson's character an even bigger piece of shit than he was in the first one. Yep. Yep. And they're more like they kind of make it more about him being successful and all this, but like he's really just a jerk. Yeah. And well, and yeah, he's like friends with the dad and said in the second one where he's just kind of a you're in the first one where he's kind of a loser. Like, yeah, the, the Martin Lawrence thing, and, and we should point out that that is in the first one for one line of dialogue i think where the novelist brother looks over and says oh is that cousin whatever her name is and they're like yeah and he goes she grew up she's fit might have to go talk to her and then he just like and that's it it's dropped that's it so it's so it becomes this really fun little like minute joke where again you're painted a picture of like all right this guy's kind of a piece of shit fair enough point made tight script that was it right that was all that was necessary Contrast that with this one. Hmm. Then you get Martin Lawrence 
Oh, hitting on an 18-year-old girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am so glad you mentioned that because in case you can't tell, I fully fucking agree with it. Um, I think oh, that- yeah. And I like <laughs> circled in like bold letters, just creepy and why. Like I it don't. added no value to the movie whatsoever. Uh, the, what was the, what was the, um, yeah, there's, I, I don't know. It was just like, oh God, that was just so, so bad. And, you know, like, again, going back to this, like, in the, 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 the mom is just this, the, the, the quintessential, like, yelling, uh, angry black woman, like, an angry, angry mother-in-law character who just, like, doesn't, won't acknowledge her daughter-in-law and is, um, you know, like, uh, oh, she, I just want a grandchild. Will you please, I, I wish somebody could give me a grandchild or whatever. And again, it was like, there's, there's a really fine line that if you go back and watch the first one, where they're like, it's very obvious that the mother-in-law doesn't really like the daughter-in-law, but you know, they keep it fairly subtle. And in this one, it's just like open contempt for her. Yeah. And, and it's not as funny. It just, no, it, it isn't. It's just, it's, it's painting with broad strokes that I think the, the best thing that I could point out was if you want like a, just a, a another quick example of it is in the first one, there's a point where the daughter-in-law, the, the, the grieving widow, are standing there talking and the daughter-in-law puts her hand on the coffin and the mother in the English <laughs> version just says, take your hand off my husband's coffin. You're leaving a smudge. <laughs> and then in the second one, or no, in the, sorry, in the first one, she says, you're leaving a smudge dear. And just like brushes her hand away. That's it. You're leaving a smudge dear. Those simple words. That's it. And then in the second one, the woman does a similar scene happening. The daughter-in-law puts her hand on the coffin and it's take your hand off my husband's coffin. You're leaving a smudge mark, you know, like just like it just this overly explicative, like too many words, too many, too much yelling. Like it, it's just, it's just such a different net that they're casting to try to get everything like, exactly. and then to top, it, to top it all off, you have Chris, Chris Rock and Martin Lawrence are great comedians I find them very funny. We may do at some point bad boys because goddamn, oh, God, I hope so. Spectacular in those. Um, it's not my choice for next week in case that wasn't obvious, but at some point we probably <laughs> should do those. And Chris Rock, I actually think in the right roles can be good. He's more of a comedian, but you know, like he can be a pretty decent actor. Neither of them can connect emotionally with anything they're given in this movie. Neither no. of them. And it's just, it just falls flat. Nothing can be done for those guys. And that just sucks because I really like a lot of these actors I actually wrote down, like a lot of these actors really don't like the material they're given. And that's what, that's what I think is even more disappointing. It's just like watching a bunch of people with nothing to do. <laughs> yep. The one, the one character I didn't like in this one was the brother, the, the pharmaceutical brother. And I mentioned yeah. it in the first one because I wanted to come back to it here. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one, the brother played it so like played this. I mean, he was constantly freaking out because he he cannot find this pill bottle the entire movie. Like it's mm -hmm. it's falling out of pockets. People are popping them, and this whole time he's just this nervous wreck of where the hell are my pills? Holy crap! And in this one, it's just like, hey, you guys see my pills? Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're. I think they're gone. Like, I just didn't get the like, oh my God, someone's going to die. 
uh, I need to find this right now. Um, and I will say Peter Dinklage's character pretty much played it the same. Like he's a little sharper in the second one. You know, he's not quite as he, and, and again, in the first one, he comes off, obviously at the end, you find out that he's, he's blackmailing them, extorting them. So obviously he's not a good character, but like in the sec in, in, in the remake, he, from the onset is playing it just a little sharper, just a little harsher. He doesn't quite have that. And part of it is probably because I watched him back to back and I knew what was coming from him, but like he just didn't, he wasn't quite as soft-spoken, you know, which I think is more probably, I would guess, directorial, um, you know, like preference on that, that because it kind of fits with the rest of the performances. But yeah, I, it, but the thing is, like you said, he's, he, it's essentially the same character. There's just, I don't know, just little nuances that I noticed that were just not quite as good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, considering they're the exact same movie, they were qu- very, very different. Yeah. Um, directed by a gentleman named Neil Labute. Yeah, uh, which again, we're not here to talk about people's personal lives, but that guy doesn't seem like the greatest person out of here either. And and I, I just, I really look at this and I wonder like, how did we get an American guy directing a British movie and then we go to the American remake where you have a white guy that went to Brigham, Brigham Young University. So like the whitest of the white directing all, all a primarily black cast. Like how... <sighs> Could you, why, why those choices? I'm just, I just want to like talk to producers of these movies and be like, why, why that guy? <laughs> why not at least give it to somebody who might be able to connect with the characters a little bit more? <laughs> exactly. Um, he is not really done. He's primarily like a stage and play, right? Um, yeah, he, he directed Nurse Betty. Um, yeah. So he's a, he'd worked with Chris Brock hits, before. I think. He yeah. did uh, the Wicker Man, uh, yeah, a the Nicholas, remake, uh, a, a, re, a Nicholas Cage classic remake. That if I if you ever if you ever piss me off, I'm just gonna pull that one out as my next movie <laughs> that I'll have to watch and force you to watch that. And this is coming from as we were talking about prior to the podcast, a big Nicholas Cage fan, unabashedly Nicholas Cage fan, you know. Um, but yeah, that one I won't even touch that one again. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, I, I think the director might have been just a little bit out of out of his element. Yeah. Um, but but who who am I who am I to judge? I mean, we're we're come on. Who are we to judge? We're, we're middle class white guys on a podcast. We're here to judge everything, Paul. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally what we do. <laughs> um, if not us, who? Come on. <laughs> no kidding. You know, so uh, you know who judges um, moviegoers and oh, ticket yeah. buyers. So this movie, surpri- I was genuinely surprised by the budget in this. And that's why I say I don't believe this movie could be made today with this cast, just given yeah. the budget. Um, this this movie had a budget of $21 million. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I, I mean, again, you look at what some of these actors have done since that – no like that that's right that's what chris hart or uh kevin hart makes it makes in in a movie then you throw peter dinklage in the mix i mean and everybody i mean geez yeah so um it had an opening weekend in 2010 of just over 16 million 
So again, probably not the greatest uh, opening weekend. It had a gross U.S. of just under $43 million and had a worldwide gross of $49 million. Yeah, it didn't play well overseas. <laughs> it didn't play well here either, it looks like. Uh, but again, I, I, I don't know. It did a bit, overall worldwide. It was just as about as close as the one that came out two, three years earlier and 17 million or, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, over considerably lower budget. But yeah, $12 million less. So um, yeah. I'm curious, what, what was this up against? So, I mean, this came in at 119 for the year, so it did worse than the original one, too. Um, just for uh, if anybody's curious what else was like in that general um, area for this year, uh, it was right around the same amount of money that like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is generally considered a huge bomb. Um, it was right around the vampire movie Daybreakers, which I'm a fan of, but nobody else remembers is like Willem Dafoe, Ethan Hawke vampire movie. Cause a good one, actually, that's a thing that exists. The remake of the crazies, which we may cover at some point. Um, I do want to really point out that it, it barely eked out, uh, the avatar re-release that year in, uh, <laughs> And money overall. So, you know, a couple Jesus. year old movie that got re-released. Um, t- tops of box office that year. Toy Story 3 is your number one, cresting over a billion. Um, the Alice in Wonderland remake, which again is one of those that if, you know, one of us really hates the other one. We I was going to say. That one. <laughs> which I think, man, that thing topped a billion dollars. Then you have uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Inception is in there. Shrek Ever After. Man, Shrek. Shrek is just pulling on both of these. Um, Iron Man 2, Tangled, Despicable Me, Twilight, Eclipse, okay. How to Train Your Dragon. Like there's a there's a few um you know pretty pretty big movies out this year. Um and it was I, it was not super well liked. 43% from critics on uh, Rotten Oof. Tomatoes, 45 from audience, which means that the audience didn't even really react to it any better. So like this movie wasn't not exactly universally revered you couldn't even you know like it's not even like a hidden gem that didn't make out well at the box office and was you know it just it just didn't work well there was one joke that i do want to make sure i mention before we uh, get into the the rankings against each other but uh when the fiance when zoe saldana reveals that she's pregnant to james marsden that is a very funny exchange, I thought, and probably got the only real, like, genuine laugh from me where she says, she's like, I'm pregnant, and or we're pregnant, and James Marsden goes, I'm pregnant? And she goes, no, 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 I'm pregnant. And he goes, you're pregnant too? And, like, <laughs> it was a really, like, his, I don't know, he played it so well. His It's a stupid, like, obvious joke, but he, he played it so well, and Zoe Saldana played it very well too. It was just like... All right, that got that got a good laugh out of me. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, and again, there's a lot of characters in that movie that are actors in the movie that I like, but their characters just sucked. Like, uh, it's just uh, disappointing. Final thoughts on the on the remake before we hop into you know rating these against each other. It, it they they went for it. They made it. <laughs> That's. I think that's about as good as we could get. Um, now we got to go into the breakdown of these. So obviously we're here. We've already talked about some just general stuff, but now we try to uh, go through and rank the two movies against each other. So we look at the cast, the acting, the direction and script of the movie, the production value and the enjoyment value. Um, let's go into this 
Paul, I'm going to ask you your thoughts on casts. Which which one do you think had the better cast? Hmm. This is actually pretty tough. Um, hmm. There, the the remake has a lot of big actors in it, hmm. but. I am actually going to go with the lesser known actors on this one. Mm. It's interesting. I think that, so I'm going to go and and I'll kind of just go from one right into the other here where I think that the cast in the remake is better than the original, but then going on into acting, I give it to the original. I think the cast, the, like you said, the no namers, I think they pull off the acting better uh, in this one, what about you for acting in terms of? The I, I'm going to stick to my original cast on this one, gotcha. but I do see your point. I, I, it's a valid, valid point. Yeah. Um, what about the the like the direction of the movies and the and the scripts that you know we've talked about in these? Like, what what do you think about that kind of overall you know like direction of? Hand, of I mean, hands down, I'm going to give it to Frank Oz. Yeah, I can't. I can't even. There's nothing else to say about it. I already talked about how I think the first one has an excellent script. It's, it's the, it's the original, it's the OG Um, production value. How do you feel about these two? I actually am going to go with the original one. Mm -hmm. Um, I really thought the, um, the English countryside, if you will, was Mm -hmm. really pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this isn't a huge budget movie, so I'm going to mm-hmm. look at just things like scenery, um, shots, uh, I, I, overall, I'm going to go with the original one. I am going to, uh, so here's, I, I, I they both actually have pretty good production value. They both look, you know, well-made mm-hmm. and they both like do this well. I will say that if I had to just like say it outright i would do a tie between the two of them but because of the budget being so much lower in the first one i end up going with the first one edging it out because it looks as good as the remake but on you know a third of the budget so oh, that's tighter i budget. gotta go with it yeah i gotta go with the first one too um how about pure enjoyment value i i, I gotta go already answered yeah I'm, I'm gonna go with the first one um for all the reasons i think we've covered throughout this mm-hmm. episode yeah so I, you know, I, I I think we kind of know where this is going, but when you look, when you take a step back, you look at the two of them, you look at uh, everything that we talked about so far. What are your your final thoughts on this? Especially because it was, you know, these were your choices. Final thoughts and going back and watching these two movies. What do you got for us, Paul? Um, it, they're both they're the same movie. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that there were some missed opportunities in the remake to further modern or further Americanize it. And I feel like they missed some of those opportunities. Uh, But I think the first one's a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. It's a short movie in and out. Um, Yeah, good. First one's first one's very enjoyable, enjoyable movie. Mm hmm. I I think that uh, if you ever want to, if there's ever anybody out there that wants to look at the effect of a director and a script on a movie, watch these two back to back because you can see where again Frank Oz is the is is an experienced and very good director and Neil Lebut 
Labute is is not, is, is and you not. get to see. And even though the second one, you know, Neil Labute is given again what I think to be a better cast and and a, a larger budget, he he just can't pull it off. The the, the script isn't as good. Like nothing about it is as tight. And it's just like it's a really interesting. Sometimes when you when we're watching some of these, you know, if you go back to some of the previous episodes that we've done, um, you know, even looking back at like Superman and Man of Steel, all right, kind of a reboot, kind of a remake, but you know, like. Not not really the same movie. Even like Karate Kids, you know, like you're, they're trying to make it their own. You know, you always see those little different like flares or whatever. And this one is like really truly, like you said at points, this is word for word, man. And what they do change, like why? It's just a, it's a really interesting thing, especially to watch them just immediately one right after another, just to be able to see what those effects are on this. Uh. But we're here to answer one question and one question only. As we all know, it is the title. So, Paul, I have to ask, was it really necessary to remake this movie? No, no, <laughs> no. Not, I mean, this is one that, that could have been remade um, in time. Like if they remade this today, mm-hmm. uh, I think that, again, you're looking at 14 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but three years, no, no, this y- y'all wasted $21 million. Mm-hmm. No, I, this, no, I, there's, there's a part of me that wants to say like, yes, it was necessary to bring this to American audiences to be able to blah, 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 blah. I can't bring myself to do it. I had a whole like thought process of like how I would argue that this was necessary, but unfortunately I have to agree with you. Like just, I just can't justify this being necessary in any way, especially because of, I think what you touched on there, the the proximity to the original, had they waited a little bit, had they brought it around now? Yeah, I think it could have been good, but it just, yeah, you're, you're right. It was kind of just a really, really obvious cash grab. So that is unfortunately where we have to go with this, but we now get to the, what I think is probably the most fun part of the show. Um, <laughs> although it's all fun. Uh, where we get to uh, figure out what our next episode is. So for anybody that has not heard this before, at the end of each episode, we reveal what the next episode will be. And when I say we reveal it, I mean that one of us gets to choose it and tell the other one what's going to happen. You get to hear the live reactions from them. This is something that uh, Paul chose last time. So now my turn. He is getting to hear this. You get to hear him react to this in real time. Um, So Paul. What you got? What you got for me? You were mentioning... At the beginning of this episode that you were like, all right, well, you know, we tend to do a lot of action. We do a lot of these other things, you know, like it was kind of nice to have a little divergence from where we normally go with these things. So I thought to myself, that's a really good point. What um, what other things we have? What, what, what do we what do we need to queue up here? What kind of genre have we not touched? And I came across the fact that there's a there's a pretty glaring lack of Westerns that we've ever done. Okay. So when I when I dig into this and I think about man, what what could be interesting to look at? What would be an interesting? You know, there's so many classic westerns out there, and you know the man John Wayne really just comes synonymous with this. So when I oh, think God of John Wayne, you. I I think oh, I think we got to watch some True Grit. God, yes. And then we got to see movies. how the Coen Brothers go and pull that off with. With Jeff, with with my boy Jeff, we get oh, we get man. to go and watch these. 
Dude, these are such good movies. I grew up with uh I grew up with True Grit. So this will be this is this will be a lot of fun. And you're right. We haven't done any westerns. So Yeah. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to get to make a confession to you right now. Part of the reason why I wanted to do this, I've never seen the original one. No. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I've seen like bits and pieces of it, caught it on like whatever TNT or TBS or probably Turner Classic movies, I guess. I've caught bits and pieces of it, but never sat down and just watched the whole thing. And was like, you know what I want to do? I want to rewatch the Coen brothers version, but I should watch the, <laughs> the John Wayne version too. So uh, oh, yeah, next time I we get am, to watch True Grit. I am so excited for this. <laughs> both these, both these movies just have fantastic casts. Yeah. I'm a, uh, I was also curious to try to find if there was an option on our on our list of like things to choose from that we, that you kind of have two things that are like both sort of unequivocally good. Like you can't, whether whether you like one better than the other one, it's really hard to argue that either of them are, are bad, I think. So I'm curious to see how we handle that. So we're going to watch true grit next time. Excellent. Uh, So Thank you guys so much for listening. We we love it. Please go out and uh, make sure that you're subscribed to us. Give us a couple of ratings on uh, you know iTunes or Google Play Store or whatever uh, your your happen your, your choice your, of this happens to be. All your preferred of, mode of i of uh, of podcasts. Yeah. If you uh, if you if everybody out there gives us one or two uh, ratings on these places, we might have. Uh, one or two ratings by the end of this. So that'll be great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, really hope you guys have enjoyed this. We love it. Uh, please keep listening to us. We love you all. Thank you so much for everybody here at Was That Really Necessary? I am Zach Buell. And I am Paul Aldershaw. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. <laughs> <laughs>